This is the Big BM. Analyzing now. A bi-weekly podcast for the Baylor Medicine Internal Medicine Residency Program. Stand clear. Welcome to the Big BM. Welcome to episode six of the Big BM. I'm Jefferson, and I'm here with my Baylor co-chiefs, Jackie Holland, Eva, and Tony. And this is a special edition podcast due to the current events. At the time of this recording, there are two tropical storms headed our way. Marco, which seems to be fizzling out, and Laura, which is intensifying in the Gulf of Mexico to likely a Category 2 or 3 hurricane and headed our way. So Holland, why don't you get us started with some practical tips for safety and how to prepare for the storms. Um, Let me just give you guys some practical tips having lived through a couple of these storms. Um, So I think, you know, one of the biggest concerns with Laura, um, which feels weird to me to say because I have multiple friends named Laura, so I feel like I'm like speaking poorly of a friend. But anyway, Laura is approaching and we need to fear her. So um, some things that you can do, I think one of the biggest concerns with Laura um, is uh, the electricity may go out with the high winds. Um, so considering uh, putting your freezer and fridge the, to colder settings um, so that if the electricity goes out, food can stay cold as long as possible. Um, fill your bathtub with water um, so that you can use it to uh, flush the toilet and help with cleaning. Um, if you have a patio, make sure you're bringing in loose objects uh, from the patio so that the wind doesn't just blow them away. Um, and then, of course, without electricity, make sure that you're charging all of your electronic devices and that if you have like backup chargers that you're charging those as well. I think, you know, making sure that you have enough water, making sure that you have uh, 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 food that will will stay good for at least a couple of days, Um, making sure that if you have pets or children or both, that you have uh, enough uh, resources to keep them fed and watered as well. Like we've kind of emphasized, I think, throughout, just making sure that we're all being flexible, we're all communicating with each other, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get through the wrath of Laura together. That's going to be a really weird recording if Laura ends up being really benign. <laughs> <laughs> Those are amazing tips, though, Alan. I, I, um, I'm, you know, not from um, Houston, and so a lot of those seem like kind of um, foreign to me. But like filling up a bathtub with water for, so you can flush your toilet, like that's like such a pro tip. Those are that's like it's good. Yeah, and, like, and like also the yeah, the, the fridge, the fridge thing. thing, keeping it on yeah. a cold. That's awesome. Never heard of that. Yeah. We're going to open the floor now to Dr. Erica Lashinskis, one of our awesome associate program directors at Baylor and a former chief resident. Dr. Lashinskis is going to share some memories from her residency during Hurricane Ike. I'm a hospitalist at Bintab and an APD for internal medicine. Now that we're having a pretty active hurricane season, I've been reflecting back a lot on my experience during my chief year. I was chief during Ike, which was a category two hurricane that came ashore right around Galveston. Several weeks before Ike, we'd prepared for a storm that at the last minute ended up going in a different direction. So we brought people to come in and stay at the hospitals, but we ended up getting to send them home. So when Ike was happening, initially we were watching it, but we really weren't that worried it was going to hit us. 
And then right before Grand Rounds on Thursday, it became really clear that it was going to come straight towards Houston, potentially as a pretty strong hurricane the next night. So during Grand Rounds, my coach Houston and I were starting to make more preparations. And right after Grand Rounds, we all went to the grocery stores, which were extremely busy, to try to get bread, peanut butter, water, snacks for our teams. I was at St. Luke's, and what I really remember most about that time was just the great group of residents I had that was willing to step up and do whatever we needed. They helped me get cots in the noon conference room. We set up a screen in the noon conference room so we could watch movies. We played games, and overall, we really just had a good time. And it definitely felt like the safest place to be. We watched part of the storm early on. We got to see some of the wind, and it was just eerily quiet in the hospital. No one was coming in. No one was leaving. By late Saturday afternoon, it was over, and so some of us got to go home. I was really excited that I got to go home, and so I did end up leaving all the water that I bought for the people at the hospital. And when I got home, I realized we were still on a boil water notice, so I was boiling water for a while. Trees were down, and power outages were the, really the main issues in most places. I lived across from the VA, so by the time I got home on Saturday, my power was back on. Because of that, I had a lot of, I had a lot of house guests for the next week or so who wanted to come and benefit from power, air conditioning, and everything. So it was fun to have people around. It was definitely a weird time, though. There were lines at the grocery store for a while, and it was hard to find items. And even though it was really weird at that time, I think that's definitely something that COVID has helped prepare us all for. A lot of the stores were using generators. A lot of the gas stations were out of gas or had really long lines to get gas. And it took a while, probably a couple weeks, for Houston to really feel back to normal. I'm from Houston, so I've got to experience. I've gotten to experience my fair share of storms, and from this storm and others, I have learned a few things. One of the things is that you know, growing up, my mom would always want to have gas and money if anything was going to happen with a storm in the Gulf. And now I understand better why. I used to think it was just in case there were evacuations needed, but really, what I realized after Ike was that. It's not just for before the storm; it's also for after the storm because you don't want to be waiting in lines for gas, or there may not be there may not be the availability of gas for a while after the storm. So I make sure to always have a full tank of gas before a storm. Now, in terms of money, some of the ATMs may not have power. Some stores may only take cash and not be able to take credit cards after the storm. So I make sure to get some money. I realize the importance of having bottled water, or you can also boil your own water after a storm because there may be boil water notices for a while and then also that non-perishable food items in case there's a power outage and you could lose the items in your refrigerator like we did during Harvey. And I realized from all this too that the most important thing is just really flexibility and adaptability. I like to plan, so it's sometimes frustrating not knowing if a storm's going to hit in a couple of days. And I've realized that those things are just impossible impossible to predict. So you can just be as prepared as you can and just change your plans as needed. Ike was definitely a defining moment for my chief year and really just brought my chiefs and I and our residency together. I can totally relate to that feeling of unpredictability and trying to 
um, consider all the contingency plans and wanting to have like a set um, idea of how things are going to go. But in reality, like you just don't know and you have to just be able to, to change and um, to adapt to the situation um, that, that that's called for. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, you know, we, we all like to plan and try to be relatively organized. I think that's, you know, part of, um, you know, people in medicine, I think, tend to be kind of kind of organized. But I think, you know, it's it's definitely an important skill to develop the ability to, to be flexible and kind of um, roll with the punches. I think um, I, I think I particularly kind of started to learn that skill, honestly, probably on my Mickey rotations, just because there can be so much happening at the same time. So many consults, patients that are sick, you have to prioritize, but you have to stay calm. You don't know what's going to come next. Um, so I think it is an important skill in medicine and uh, to learn. And so I think, you know, we can kind of think of this as an opportunity to sort of hone that skill, which is something that I think doesn't come naturally for a lot of us. So next up, we have Orwe Adaru, who is a former resident and former chief resident in the 2018-2019 academic year. She is here to share some tips about her time on the write-out team in Harvey. You now will see Orwe virtually on our Zoom morning reports, or if you rotate at MD Anderson, she's a hospitalist there. Hey guys, this is Orwe Odaro. Seems like the storms are upon us once again with Marco and Laura, but hopefully this one is not as bad as Harvey. Having been on the write-up team as a resident, just wanted to give you a few quick pointers, things that I wish I knew or had planned for um, prior to being part of write-out. Um, try to pack for at least five days. You may not need it. Um, pack for five days, but pack light as well. You might have to move sleeping locations often. Uh, so it's best to just have one piece of like a little like piece of luggage that you're moving around, or a little bag that you're moving around. Um, if possible, head to the hospital while there's still light out. Um, that might mean going in the afternoon or evening before. Um, I ended up driving in at about 6 a.m. the day that the storm really hit, and now that I think of it, probably was not great timing on my part. It was good that I left when I did because I don't think I would have been able to leave my house otherwise, but it was just sheets of rain and I could barely see anything and it was dark out. So if you have the opportunity to, you should try to head out to the hospital while it's still light. Park high, and they'll tell you this obviously at Bentob and the other locations that you'll be at, but if possible, try to make sure that you're parking at least on the fourth level um, upwards in the hospital parking lot. If you end up cross-covering uh, teams, which you probably will, my team got consolidated with about two or three other teams, um, and it was me and an intern covering with an attending who was also covering a lot of other teams. Just make sure that you're doing quick notes on patients and prioritizing the sick ones, obviously. You're not going to have detailed assessments and plans, and that's okay, just to make sure that patients are taken care of in a timely manner. And obviously, rest when you can. Um, sometimes you have to be really flexible in terms of what services you end up covering. You might be day, you might be night. Um, so just try to rest up while you can. Overall, I had a great write-out experience and, and great bonding with, with my co-residents. So um, you guys stay safe. Oh man, I I was on the rideout team with Orway, so I remember that like 
like really vividly how she describes it. Um, cause I was like, it was my intern year and, uh, it was pretty crazy. I actually rode my bike into, cause I mean, I always ride my bike to the, to the med center. They, they gave us enough time to like, um, you know, get into the hospital. I don't know. It was kind of exhilarating, like riding in and, um, you know, the calm before the storm, obviously. <laughs> I definitely like agree with what we was saying about like, it just being like a good experience bonding with the residents there. We'll conclude the podcast today with some final thoughts from our favorite colleague over at the Michael E. DeBakey VA, Danny. Danny, why don't you introduce yourself? This is Danny Hemphill. Uh, excuse my muffled voice. I'm wearing a mask. Um, in March, I would have been here full time at the VA for 34 years. I'm probably older than some of your grandparents. So, Danny, I know you've been at the VA for a number of years and you've weathered many a storm. What was it like during Katrina helping take care of the veterans? What did it look like over at George R. Brown? It looked like uh, a crisis. Um, There were people um, all on the outside. There were so many people on the inside that uh, I guess they were just so crowded and overcrowded inside that they had to come outside and get fresh air. Um, Some of them were trying to wait on family members who may have been coming by. Some of them were trying to stop traffic and and ask for donations and they were hungry there was everybody from from new orleans there were people who were not veterans there were people who um obviously would be treated at some of the other hospitals in the med center and they had some real issues Uh, we had folks who who were didn't have oxygen you know and they needed their oxygen there were People who could not walk, there were people who had all sorts of issues. That's where everybody was being taken to begin with. And then I believe that the Astrodome was also being used. And uh, the Astrodome and some of that ground around the Astrodome, along with the George R. Brown. um, And for the ones who were veterans, they were all being brought here, um, um, which created an overload for us in terms of trying to help them navigate their way back, let alone being seen here. Um, the first two or three days, I didn't know what the problem was. I didn't know that there was a problem. Um, I was only called in at some point when we got the word that when they were trying to send them back to George or Brown, they were being lost all over the city. Right. So when they separated the veterans from that whole group and started bringing them here, right, um, and being treated, at some point they had to leave here and go back to George O'Brown. Well, the problem that we had was there were so many of them that uh, um, they would give them bus passes to go back, sometimes in the middle of the evening or when they were done with their appointments, and they were getting lost all over the city. And there were there were there were people all over the city trying to figure out how to get back to George or Brown Convention Center after having left here at the VA. And just a, a bus pass back to George or Brown was not going to get it, and they didn't know the city. And, right. And uh, some of the buses had stopped running late in the evening. Yeah. And then they, you know, I mean that's that's 
during normal times, the buses stopped running at some point. And after midnight or so, we still had people who were still trying to get back to George O'Brien. So we had the police department involved. We had the fire well, I wouldn't say the fire department, but we had social workers who were being called in. Um, I remember at some point, two or three days later, I started making runs in one of the fleet vehicles. I got permission from Dr. Carabello, who was over medicine at that time, to take people back so they wouldn't have to ride the bus. Thank you, Danny, so much for all you've done over all of these years to help our veterans and also helping us every day at the VA. We really appreciate it. That concludes episode six of the Big BM. There's always something going on down here in Houston. The forecast for these storms continues to change day by day, hour by hour. And we're never sure exactly how bad things could get or how easy it could be. Either way, we'll stay flexible, we'll stick together, and we'll get through it. Until next time. The Big BM.